everyone, and welcome back to the American Israelite Newspaper Podcast and uh, the Let There Be Light Podcast. And I am one of your hosts, uh, Netanel Ted Deutsch, and I am here with my uh, my other co-host, Julie Babs Bernson Brook, who could have been Julie Babs Bernson Chafkin. And then we have a special guest, uh, Alan Weiner. Mr. Alan Weiner. Alan Weiner is in the house. Yep. You better behave because he's a school teacher. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Where's my ruler? Uh, Julie, uh, Judy's got a ruler. <laughs> you can use Judy. And Judy's back. You're Judy's back. You're still well, Judy has been gone for a while and living in Florida. But living the life. Living the life. With but she's, bathrooms that have walls that go all the way to the ceiling. Would you like me to like put a wall up there for yes. you? Is that what you want? Now we do have like a, a music buffer. Right. Here at the office. Well, explain what's wrong with your bathroom. Okay, the, so the, walls- the bathrooms that they built here, the wall only goes up to the steel beam that holds the roof up, and it doesn't go beyond that. So it's probably an like addition a, at some point. The men were probably peeing outside. Privacy thing. But there was actually, and see, there's, only, there's a bathroom there, and then on the right, they were going to put another bathroom, but they never finished it, so... I think there was probably a ladies and a man, but they never finished it. So now we just have one. So that it's, I use that for like a, a changing room when I go play golf. Okay. Um, so Judy's back because you're still looking for a bookkeeper <laughs> and an office manager, and she came to save your life because that's when you get a good office manager, a bookkeeper, you can't seem to ever find someone to replace them. No, that's not true. Judy has been here for like right. She's been here for five, a long time. You can't find a good years, replacement. Five or six years, and uh, she's like a fixture. And she she um, fled out of here. She didn't flee out of here. Will you stop that? You know, you're always caught. You know, you always like take a little bit of a mole. Like my mother would always say, "You're making a mountain out of a molehill." Okay, will you stop doing that? So I'm just going to give you mom's voice, okay? Because mom would like tell you. Since mom's not here to tell you, I have to tell you. Yeah. Um, you know, you're out of control again. You need to go sit down. And no go one's reading on the, the emails that I go mailed sit to on the you. Step. Yeah. See, because you send like about 20 emails a day. I have like, you know, how many, how many emails I get a day? Like 200 emails. I like, you know, half of them are like, you know, just junk. Yeah, they are. They're spam. And, and the other ones I have to, like, focus on. I have to, like, respond back to the emails. What do I do? And then you'd, like, bombard us with these emails all day long. Well, anyway, today is Wednesday, May 26th. Yes, yes, it is. And it is the 15th of Savan, 5781. And tomorrow, when the paper comes out, it will be Thursday, May 27th. And it will be the birthday of your assistant editor, uh, Carol Hershenson, comma, PhD. Shout out to Carol. Mazel tough on your birthday. I know yeah, she's 60 yeah. plus. I don't know what the plus is, but well, we're just going to leave it at that. I, I, I do, but we, that will go mention, we will not mention that. Well, it, you know, our guest here, Mr. Alan Weiner, he was born in 1949. And I'm going to pronounce it right. It's Worcester, Massachusetts, but it's not spelled that way. Right. It's spelled W O R C E S T E R. Right. Um, and so I've been spelling it wrong in all my notes to him, but I'm doing that. I don't want him to, to know. How many, I email, do it to, how many emails did you send him? I know, maybe three. <laughs> 
Okay. Three. You can speak on your own. Um, I think there were more than three, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with your three. <laughs> well, you could have been phone calls, but we did have phone call too, and we had meetings in preparation for today. You know, it's not easy to come on the show with, with such great co-hosts that, you know, you're worried about that sort of a thing. But our cover today is about people that will be working in our community as well. It's the Hebrew University. Union College, right, uh, right. Jewish Institute of Religion. It's right. the rabbis. So we have 12 rabbis that graduated on May 8th in our Cincinnati campus. And we have one that is actually, uh, was the rabbinic intern at Adith Israel, Rabbi Shmuel Poland. And you knew him, Mr. Weiner. Yes, I did. Um, he actually came to me, and because he was working in a conservative synagogue as the rabbinic intern, um, he needed a little bit of uh, guidance uh, as to how our services worked. And um, I know that um, he was very grateful for all that I uh, gave to him. And uh, he was able to lead parts of our service as culmination. And um, we wish him well as he heads off to uh, Georgia, where he's going to be a um, rabbi. And they're both conservative and reform um, congregations there, but uh, they are going to probably welcome his ability to do uh, conservative as well as reform. So it's a combined synagogue that's reformed. It will be. That's will nice. Be. That's, yeah. that's, and it's nice for him that he came from Edith. So you're a graduate of Clark University, also in Worcester, Massachusetts, um, and you were the retired Ritual Director from Adith Israel. Can you give us a little bit of background on how you got to Cincinnati and Adith Israel? Okay, it was sort of a long caravan uh, that I had to follow. Um, you probably don't know, but I was a science teacher mm. uh, back in Worcester, Massachusetts, for about 13 years. Uh, I graduated from Clark University with a degree in uh, Bachelor of Science, and I enjoyed teaching life science and physical science. Hmm. And you say, what is a science teacher doing, you know, having uh, taught bar and bat mitzvah? I also worked for a while as an executive director in a couple of congregations. Um, but wanting to get back to be being a ritual director or someone who taught bar and bat mitzvah, um, you say, what do they have in common? And the thing that they have in common is that when I was bar mitzvah, became a bar mitzvah, um, my rabbi, Rabbi Baruch Goldstein, Zechrono um, Levracha, um, gave me all the insight as well as the cantor from that congregation, Cantor Teague, into um, keeping up with my skills. And I became the full-time Torah reader of my home congregation, Congregation Beth Israel in Worcester, and um, did so actually through college. And when I got out into the teaching realm, teaching science, the Torah reading still continued, and it was an avocation. Uh, and little did I know that 13 years later, that was going to become my vocation. Uh, the background of everything that I've done as Bar and Bat Mitzvah and as executive director is a uh, 
as I say, it's a long procedure. But I first congregation I worked at, North Suburban Synagogue Bethel in Highland Park. Where I am from. You're from Highland Park. I'm from Highland Park, Illinois. Okay. So you know what you know what I'm talking about. And I belonged to Bethel when I was a little girl. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, good. So you might have met. You, you no, no, I no. think we were I, gone. No, on, I, yeah. was, I was there from 84 to 90. We were already at, at B'nai Torah then. We had switched okay, to a, okay. a, a reform synagogue. We had lived in Puerto Rico for just a short bit, and we okay. came back. We switched from the conservative to uh, the reform, where my mother was actually teaching under Sholem Single. She was teaching Sunday school. Now, um, when you were at Bethel, you know, when I was a little girl at Bethel, there was Tiny Tove. There was a show on TV, and Tiny Tove was a member of Congregation Bethel. And um, he actually wasn't tiny, but it was a show on Sunday where they would teach you Jewish stuff, and they sang a song, a room, zoom, zoom, a room, zoom, zoom, gilly, 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 af, saf, sa. And <laughs> you remember I, that song. Oh, I love that song. I don't think I could repeat that in 100 years. But that's <laughs> I love that song, but he was not <laughs> tiny. So on the show, he gets real tiny, and he goes into like a tree, <laughs> and he does mitzvahs. Um, and then my mother one day points him out to us at Bethel, and I'm like, "Wow, that guy's not tiny." So, <laughs> okay, yeah. So th- that was you were what ten? Oh no, I was much younger. I had to like be at least five. under eight or five or six yeah. or seven. Yeah. And you saw a little tiny, and tiny was like a big dude. Yeah, he was a big, tall, <laughs> tall guy. Yeah, he was probably a basketball player. You know, they used to call him Tiny. Tiny Tove, but that was his name. You know. So actually. Speaking of sports, so we're yep, going to pivot yep. a little bit here. On yep. page three, yep. it's the Jewish community night at the Reds. Okay. And the first 300 people can pay $12 for a ticket after also paying the service fee. Right. And then um, the first... Well, you need to tell when it is. It's coming up. June 1st. Tu- right, Tuesday. So today is the 26th. So it's They're next Tuesday. This on the 27th or 28th. And it's next week, so next you need to call at the JCC or go online immediately. And get your tickets. Get your tickets. And, and actually, June week. 1st is also the significant birthday of my friend Tova Singer, so Mazel Tov to Tova Singer uh, on June 1st. Uh, okay, yes, that's okay. Lenny Singer's wife. He's been on the okay, podcast. Remember, right. he came to talk about the COVID, and he came to also talk about... I see him every night at Minion. So you can tell... On Tuesday, you tell him Mazel Tov on, on Tova's significant birthday. And I won't say what year she was born. Okay. But also, the first 600... Tickets get a scarf branded in Cincinnati in Hebrew. Right. So, and well, we do have to say one thing about the Reds. Um, just be prepared to, you know, <laughs> they might not win that game. Let's um, put it this way. But more importantly, but they uh, might win it. So they all, might win and they might not. So win. it's Jewish Community Night, and all these yeah. people are getting scarves, and they may not be all Jewish. They would need to go to you, Mr. Weiner. To learn Hebrew, how many students do you think you've taught over the years, bar mitzvah lessons, Hebrew lessons, and how many adults do you think you've taught? Well, as far as uh, bar and bat mitzvah students, I was six years at NSS Bethel and 17 years uh, here at uh, Adith Israel Congregation. And uh, if I put them all together, that's about 600 bar and bat mitzvahs wow. uh, that I have uh, helped students with. I have also taught students for their second bar mitzvah, uh, and also uh, currently I'm teaching people <laughs> that they can uh, be able to uh, follow the service better, read Hebrew better, mm. uh, and 
I still have a lot to give. So Yeah, you're still teaching. And people, if they're interested to learn Hebrew, if they, if they walk away from that Reds game and say, I want to know <laughs> how to read the Hebrew on the scarf, I'm going to call Mr. Alan Weiner. That's correct. And what's yeah. your number so they can call you? Uh, 513-891-1928. Well, so, so you were speaking about second bar mitzvahs. We have someone in our presence here <laughs> who has not had his... Fr- you know, he became a bar mitzvah at 13, but he is what, not officially... What, what did he do when he became bar well, mitzvah? Well, I, I, my parents just got divorced like the year before, so that was when... No, what did you have to do for the bar mitzvah? He didn't have and a bar mitzvah, so we, he needs one. one. Didn't have one. We were oh. in Rockdale. Oh, so we we got to get you in as Hi, hi, here we go. See, she's been bugging Utsin well, me about this for like a... Maybe what will make it easier if Julie also participates. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I have... You know, I'm so busy. Yeah, but yeah, you have, you have so those long busy. trips to Chicago. So you can, you can practice. I can I'm practice. I'm so busy. See, yeah. you can, you're but, getting so roped well, into I, this too, pal. Well, I, I could get come up and do an Aaliyah, but I could also... I could <laughs> His wife, Stephanie, can do the parent speech, and I can do one of the speeches, <laughs> too. Speech. Yeah, okay. She can do the parent right, speech that's... for him. Well, I'll tell you, with the parents' speeches, as well as the kids' speeches, we had to work on poise. Because if you know how teenagers speak, they go 90 miles an hour, and nobody can understand everything. (laughs) We would actually practice the English speeches just to make sure Uh. that the cadence was right and they weren't going 90 miles an hour. There okay. really is, yeah. Okay. And then for your own bar mitzvah, tell us a little bit about the experience of having your own bar mitzvah. What do you remember? Mm. And uh, and yeah. you told me if I'd yeah. love to hear the funny story again about when you came home from camp. Okay, we'll get to that. That's right after the bar mitzvah itself. <laughs> uh, the bar mitzvah um, took place uh, in 1962, and uh, it was. Uh, Difficult for me because my best friend was also bar mitzvah on the same day, uh. but in a different synagogue. Uh. So I couldn't have a lot of my friends, and he couldn't. I couldn't go to his. He couldn't uh. come to. What mine. was his name? So Stephen Brickman, and we um, were best of friends mm. throughout that period of time. Uh, I, again, under uh, Rabbi Goldstein's and Cantor Teague's preparation, I was able to read my whole Torah portion, right. which coincidentally is coming up next week. It's called Shalach Lecha. Uh-huh. And um, it gave me a lot of insight into um, all the preparation that was necessary, getting me poised and everything. Right. And I also have to say that be- beyond the regular um, English subjects that I was studying, I was going to Hebrew school. It wasn't one day a week. It wasn't two days a week. It was five days a week. And this was all after school. Okay? Uh, And when I then went post-bar mitzvah, I went to a Hebrew high that was uh, affiliated with the Hebrew Teachers College in Boston. Right. And there again, all the courses were in Hebrew. So that's really my background, and that's where I got into what I was uh, doing. But right after my bar mitzvah, uh, my parents sent me to an Orthodox uh, camp up in New Hampshire. It was called Camp Yavna. Uh, oh. Similar to... Yeah. Well, Yavna, Yavna was a place where there was good educa- really good education and smart, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we experienced 
this was my first time at overnight camp, and we experienced uh, all the things with, you know, the guys doing sports on one side and the girls doing sports on the other side. And, you know, maybe the two met at lunch or something right, like right. that. Uh, at any rate, when I completed those eight weeks, uh, my parents came to pick me up, and uh, uh, we get in the car and we start driving home, and they want to stop and go into a restaurant. I said, you can't go into a restaurant. It's not kosher. You, you can't do this. You know, and they said, uh, well, um, we're going in. E- either you come in with us or you stay out in the, in the car. It's, it's that simple. Um, and then when we got inside the restaurant, I, I said, how can we eat? I mean, the silverware is not kosher. We, we can't use this silverware. Again, you have a choice, they told me. And I acceded to their wishes, and I, I did eat in the, in, the, in the restaurant. But when we, when we got home, I was trying to change the makeup of our kitchen right. and, 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 and everything. And again, they just looked at me, and they said, summer camp is over. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, and I recognized that uh, I would go with the flow. That's, that's, that's all I'll... Uh, <laughs> say on that particular <laughs> subject. Um, but um, I will mention that my first love was the teaching, public school teaching. I yeah. uh, did that for uh, 13 years. Um, that was life science and physical science, and you may wonder how I got into that. I attribute that to uh, my 10th grade biology teacher uh, who... Uh, his uh, name happened to be Bester Weed, W-E-E-D, oh. uh, but he was an excellent, excellent... Uh, he kind of ne- sparked... Yeah. There's sparked, always some teacher yeah. that sparks something in you. Yeah, exactly, I and I was able, under his tutelage, mm-hmm. to actually do an experiment. I would go into uh, school um, early in the morning, and I did an experiment with fish, Hmm. and uh, actually um, gave some of them some fungus and whatnot, huh. and then tried to see what solution would prevent the fungus from spreading and so on. Huh. And Julie's my witness that I actually got published for this in a major, major magazine that I'm sure you've never heard about. It's called Aquarium Illustrated. I took a picture <laughs> of it. Aquarium yeah. Illustrated. Yes. Yes. And I'm sure that that's high on everyone's uh, reading <laughs> list at this particular point. Uh, but Go look that up. <laughs> Go Google here. that. I've got it here. Google that. No, we have the article right here. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, what, what I got out of all that was all the detail and the logic involved, and then how you write an article to be published and so on. It was a great learning experience. Mm -hmm. And I took a lot of that even when I switched careers. Mm. And you may be wondering why I switched careers when I had this wonderful career as a life science and physical science teacher. Well, the community of Worcester took the emphasis of education off the property tax. So when I was trying to teach uh, a class, and maybe I had a class of 23, 25, and you only have one microscope for them, Uh. and you're showing them the parts of the microscope, maybe you're involving two or three kids. What do you do with the other 22? Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
in doing so, all of a sudden I saw that there was some uh, rustling in the back of the class. Uh, some of the kids um, that I had at that point were um, you know, just off probation, and, and uh. you know they were really hard kids to educate. Um, one of my students decided to see if plastic burned. Oh. He, he set fire to his shoelaces, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> He did find out that they burned. Uh, <laughs> hey, I got a, he got a hot foot. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but uh, it sort of spurred me on that uh, maybe after each year, uh, I was like a long-term sub, and they would call me back because I was one of the first ones hired for that particular year in science. It wound up being in four different schools in four years. And it took about six months till I got to know the kids, at least three months till I would learn the new faculty. And after doing this for um, these four years, our son was about you know, three or four years old. I decided that we had to look elsewhere for a, a different type of vocation. Uh, that's when I used my skills as a Torah reader and still using the logic of what I was teaching with science to apply uh, really blindly to an ad in the Jewish Post and Opinion, a, a Midwest uh, newspaper. Right. And it said that they needed a bar mitzvah tutor at a Midwest synagogue. They didn't hmm. even name what the synagogue <laughs> was. <laughs> so it just so happened um, that I sent in a resume and uh, blindly, I didn't know who the rabbi was hmm. or anything, uh, and I got a call um, that the rabbi's brother, who lived in Lowell, Massachusetts, was going to come down and see if I was for real. Right. Okay? They didn't want to invite me out uh, unless they knew that I was uh, right. capable. Right. Uh, and I passed muster. I went out for uh, an interview. Come to find out, it wasn't just a bar and bat mitzvah tutor. I was going to run the whole program. Mm. whole program there consisted of 65 bar and bat mitzvahs per year. Nobody in the Chicago area wants a bar mitzvah in the middle of the winter uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, half their guests wouldn't get there. Uh, and therefore, um, I knew that um, all the bar mitzvahs had to be in the spring and fall. They were double bar mitzvahs each Shabbat. Mm. And I would try to match up abilities as best as I could so that no family outshone another family. Yeah. We're uh, talking Highland Park, Illinois. That's correct. Highland Park, Illinois. Yeah. Yes. Uh, mm. And um, I did that for six years, mm. learned a lot, uh, really running on the ground. Well, so Highland Park, so this is a very nice synagogue. It's on Lake Michigan in Highland Park. It's on Sheridan Road. It's really, really beautiful. The homes around there is very similar to Amberley or Indian right, Hill right, homes. They're right. very beautiful with large lots. And I understood you told me a, a very funny story. We're getting to the comedic side of Mr. Alan Weiner. If you didn't know it, he's quite the comedian. Um, and he told me a story about when he lived in the home on the property. Because I asked him, where did you live in Highland yeah. Park? Yeah. So, so you lived on the home and the, the property. House. Yeah, this was called the Coach House. They uh -huh. gave it a fancy title. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was right on the front of the property. Mm. And what you also have to visualize is this was an old mansion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
most uh, highly active during Prohibition area, uh, mm-hmm. era and so on. And I learned that I could not go outside of my house when there was a function going on at the synagogue. And the way I learned it was people would turn into the uh, driveway to the synagogue. He has a big driveway. Yeah, and there was my house. And fellow rolls down his window, and he says, can you wash my car for me? Uh, <laughs> uh, will you park my car? <laughs> I said, excuse me, the, the parking spaces, you know, are over there. And after a while, I got used to it. Uh, and tried to, it's as I a, say. Okay, it'll be 25 bucks <laughs> in advance. <laughs> what, whatever. Or how about 50? Well, it was, Will you give me a 50? You're, you're not too far off, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, really enjoyed being there, uh, getting the experience, uh, and um, I'll just mention one other little uh, sideline here, if you'll excuse my humor here. Um the upstairs of the mansion is where I taught, and there was also a third floor above us. Um, they talk about during the Prohibition area that there were just some kind of parties going up on, on the third floor and whatnot, even though there wasn't supposed to be hard stuff. And at any rate, my office on the second floor, uh, and actually I had all the bar mitzvah books on a shelf and everything, all the portions. Um, and I came up to my office one day, and staring at me from the top of my desk was a raccoon. <laughs> and the bar mitzvah book was open. Now, I don't know if the raccoon <laughs> was, was practicing in earnest. Um, I didn't wait to find out. I, <laughs> I went back down to the first floor, of course. But I have to say that um, it was a, a great learning experience, a new vocation for me, and what was difficult was my avocation that had been Torah reading every single Saturday at my home congregation back in Worcester now became a vocation. Yeah. Okay, and um, that meant I had to find a new avocation, which I'll tell you about later. Well, you know, it's funny. You, we, we're learning all about your comedic side, but also at Northern Hills, they are actually having a rabbi who is a comedian. And on uh, June 13th, Sunday evening, June 13th at 7 p.m., um, rabbi, Alper, rabbi Bob Elper is coming to Northern Hills. Now, Rabbi Elper lives in Vermont, and here's what they say about him. His wife, Sherry, she's a psychotherapist professionally, he makes people laugh while she makes people cry. Yeah. And uh, so you should catch up at what's going on in uh, Northern Hills. The whole article is on page uh, five of the American Israelite. Right, And right. then page six, and then I know that Mr. Weiner has been doing this. There's indoor services going on across all the denominations of our, our Jewish community here in Cincinnati. And you said you've attended two services. How many have you attended? Added. Well, yeah. I wanted to also say what you're missing. Uh, Wise Temple is starting back up. Okay. Uh, I don't know about, we don't know about Rockdale, but on the Wise Temple website, they are starting back in-person services, I think coming up soon. Uh, I was at week two of Adith. Uh, and you Alan said they were was, taking your temperature, so what did you do instead? Did you take they, your temperature did, at home? You at took home? it at home with just a, therm- a thermometer, and I, you know what, I don't know how to read a thermometer if 
my life depended on it. Well, you didn't have the science education that Mr. Weiner. Did. I don't understand. Were there, were they the, had a temperature thing right in the front lobby. You I know. You stand right in front of it. See, I registers. I know, but I, I because of being Shabbat, I didn't want to because it's electronic. You don't, you don't touch anything. I know, but it was touching me. It was touching me. Don't just don't try to get into it. I tried to explain okay. it to him too. But. Anyway, so <laughs> no, no, I sent him an email that if if I have to do that, please just you know. They said just take it at your house and you're fine. I said fine, so I'll take it at the house. Okay. Um, but I'm fine. I've been vaccinated. Anyway, so I wanted to shout out <laughs> as I was at Adith on the 22nd to uh, Jeff Casper. Uh, who religiously listens to our show. That's wonderful. Thank you, And I wanted to say thank you to him for listening to our show. And he also had some suggestions. Yes, he suggested that we... we talk about... The Pew Study. And we actually have contacted the Pew Study. We have a bunch of different people coming. And they will be coming in the next few weeks. We are going to actually be in... next week, but but then you're going to be out of town because something's come up in the family. Yeah, so I'm going home for a little bit. And then... um, But we have them scheduled... um, we're going to hopefully get them to switch to the ninth. We have a bunch right. of great things coming up in the next few weeks. But we also yeah, we wanted to talk. You know, I mean, Jeff Casper had some great that suggestions. That was a great suggestion. And, thank you, and, Jeff. And we, thank you, and uh, keep listening. And you know, keep giving me suggestions. Right. So some we of the, like people to give us suggestions. So some of the other people we've got planned coming up on May on June sixteenth, the Father's Day issue. We have Lee Hamill, and she is the daughter of Dr. Gordon Block, who, if you will recall from when we first started the podcast, he went missing um, during World War II. Right. And we found that he is related to, he's the great, he's the Gordon. grandfather of Greg Landsman, the city of Cincinnati, okay. city councilman, and then he is the son of Lee Hamill. She was a teacher at Miami University, and she's married to a professor there, Dr. Hamill. Right. And she wrote a book called In the Mix, and it's about the Cincinnati Jewish community that she is part of the Johnson family that is buried in the Chestnut Street Synagogue, ah. I mean cemetery. In the meantime, on June 23rd, we have Rabbi Drew Kaplan, and he and I have been talking about the word libations, and that means different things to different people. So there is actually the word libations referred to in the Torah. So he's going to help us understand that. <coughs> we, we will talk about and all that then stuff as it unfolds. We okay. also have coming up, we also have David Harris, who is with the Greater Cincinnati Jewish Cemeteries. We've he's got the him, head of JCGC. Yes, yeah, so we've got him coming through. So we have a lot of great things uh, coming up, and right. we also are hoping to have, you'll, rem, you'll listen to, about him later, but um, David Lichtenfeld, who is a former FBI agent and also a member of our community. But if you look back on page six, there is the Jewish Federation of Cincinnati Honors, the Outstanding Professionals and Volunteers. And on the top line of the pictures is Suzette Fisher. So keep that in mind because we're going to refer back to her and her daughter later on in this episode. All right. In the meantime, uh, Rabbi, uh, Mr. Weiner, tell us a little bit about what it's like to deal with teenagers, you know, and they're in that angst of their life. And they're coming in your office. They're tired after school. They're hungry. They're you know probably a little sweaty. What's it like to be with them in that office, trying to teach them something that just isn't you know something natural to everybody? Well, let's put it this way. I feel that, uh, and as I see these people uh, now uh, in the community, they remember me, and I can't remember them <laughs> because they, they, they've already grown a foot and a half taller, and their facial expressions have changed. They've become more mature and everything. But uh, what they remember from working with me is that I gave them um, to their level, to their abilities, um, 
and I would let them, uh, you know, do as much of the service uh, as they wanted, which I could never do when I was bar bat mitzvah, uh, because we had a cantor in our, in my home synagogue. Uh, but um, I just worked individually, one on one. I'm able to uh, bring out what their interests are, what we're trying to accomplish, and by questioning them and complimenting them on their other outside activities, I think I was able to gain their trust that even if they felt um, that the, the work did not come easy to them, that they would succeed. And they all succeeded and felt that they succeeded mm. when Bar and Bat Mitzvah Day came. You know, you know, other than Lauren, Melissa, Daniel Brook, and Rachel Deutsch, are there any students of yours that you can remember, you know, were out, amazingly outstanding or who have become a rabbi today or are famous? We, we actually are going to speak about one that has become a rabbi that we know of later on when we get to the From the Pages section. But what about some of your other students? Uh, a lot of them have gone into the Jewish world. Uh, not many of them that I know have become rabbis as such except for my own son. Uh, but, um, and I didn't teach him, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the, um, it takes a lot of stick to uh, in anything that you get into, but I was just happy in whatever subject they chose, when I do bump into them in the supermarket or, or wherever, they're thankful for having that opportunity during those teenage years right. to really connect. And sometimes with all those things going on, that's what they need, okay? They have to feel that they are special, which they are, and they go from there. Um, as I say, I am fortunate on a tangent to go off on a little bit uh, that my son could have done anything when he got out of high school, college, mm -hmm. and, and so on, mm -hmm. uh, but because of the influence perhaps that uh, he had when I was being ritual director or, or whatever, he chose that he wanted to work with people. And if you want to work with people, one of the things you need is very, very good public relations. Mm -hmm. And he was, he's a very much, uh, he's been 10 years now in a congregation. So your son is Rabbi David Weiner. That's correct. He's married to Judith, who's a social worker who actually hails from Australia. That's correct. And, and they met in Israel. They met in Israel, the ideal match. He was a... Uh, Where did he go to college? Uh, he went to college at Wash U in St. Louis. And then he went through the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York and has since taken advanced courses uh, in chaplaincy and uh, other things. But mm. um, he's been in this congregation in uh, Knesset, Israel, in Pittsfield, Mass., for over 10 years now. I will say the congregation loves him. He loves them. It's a great match. Mm. He has taken people to Cuba on a mission where uh, they would go down to Miami and then fly with uh, American Eagle, get down there. And um, he had a Spanish somewhere in, in school. He was able to give them a, a Spanish sermon. Mm. He was able to read from the Torah, not in Spanish, but in Hebrew. Uh, and... Um, he went to Little Chaburot, and he brought them some real Judaism. Well, there's an Adith Israel in Cuba. In Cuba. There's a, a synagogue called Adith Israel in oh, Cuba. Okay. Well, I don't know if they took it from us. But <laughs> they uh, have three children, too. Oh, 
Okay. You have three children. Uh, three, three grandchildren. grandchildren. Three, three grandchildren. One already uh, bar mitzvah, second bar mitzvah coming up in November. Um, the youngest is uh, our first girl in the family, other than my daughter-in-law. Uh, and um, she is into Taekwondo, which is another, yeah, yeah, which is another uh, story in itself. And family was nice enough to send me a video of her going from a blue belt to a purple belt. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I saw what her moves were, when I go back and visit, mm-hmm. whatever she wants, she gets. I, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> so, um, how, how many times have you have you been to Israel? A number of times. I, I've been there twice. Uh, once when I was working at uh, Highland Park, Illinois, when Rabbi Lebo, the rabbi there, said, if you're working with people who are converting to Judaism and you know, you're teaching all about uh, Masada and you're teaching all about this, you've got to see it. Right. So at that point, our son, uh, just a little anecdote, I'm sorry I'm it's okay. verbose here, but our son was six years old. He came along with us. And naturally, you have the tour guide in the front of the bus. Well, all the um, teenagers were listening to their music with earphones. uh, And my son was paying attention to everything the guide (laughs) said. So whenever the guide would ask a question, who raises his hand (laughs) but my son? Little David Weiner. Yeah, little David Weiner. So um, that was my first trip. My second trip uh, was uh, during Parents' Weekend. Uh, when David was in Israel, and uh, we went there over winter break, and uh, that's where we discovered that no matter what grouping my son was with, a particular female always managed to be part of that group. Mm-hmm. And on, on the way back, I said uh, to my wife, I said, um, I think there's something there. I, I think that we're going to hear more about this. <laughs> Because we hadn't heard anything up until this point, and, and sure enough, uh, she was from Sydney, Australia, um, they, and Israel being the major mixing pot, if you will, for uh, all Jewish people. Um, that's where they met, and um, a year after um, David's graduation, um, the rest became history with the opera house in the background, and... Uh, that was their venue. Uh, that's wonderful. And um, yeah, you know he's he's brought us a lot of nachos. That's wonderful. And so there's a lot of news in Israel right now. Yes, speaking sir. of and, Israel, and, well, you know, and also in in America too. And America. in America, there's been um, a lot of pro Palestinian attacks on our people, which very scary. Um, I think it's particularly scary for those that are more evident <clears throat> as to being Jews, and we've seen that on some of the videos coming out of New York and L.A. where and, they're and beating up Cincinnati, people. Cincinnati, I mean, Stephanie was driving uh, down the street one day to go to, up on Montgomery Road, and there was someone by the BP station where we live on Kincaid near there holding up a free Palestine sign. Wow. And I've been hearing just little snippets from people I know about others, people seeing this kind of stuff going on in Cincinnati. Well, there was a protest uh, downtown. There okay. was a protest, a pro-Palestinian. Uh, anyway, so this is our bar and bat mitzvah right. issue. And Moving on, right along. Yeah, Moving on page. Right along. Bad to bad but there to is a cease, let's just say, the ceasefire is holding yes, in Israel is. and Gaza. They're not firing we were, rockets. They're not, you know, shooting. It's, it's holding for the moment. So, 
We Hopefully hope so. Hopefully it's going to continue to and, hold. And the American Israelite and the Let There Be Light podcast does stand with Israel strongly sure. with all of our people. So in the meantime, back to the bar and bar right. mitzvah issue. Right. Um, yep. You can go through. There's all your advertisers have little yep. snippets about them. Of course, I think Alterations of Springdale is the one that is most important to me because it would be someone that would, you know, alter your bar and bar mitzvah outfit. That was I always like to ask what what people wore. And you, when I asked you, Mr. Weiner, what you wore to your bar mitzvah, you said you really couldn't quite remember what it looked like. The suit, it wasn't Just a reg- it, regular suit. Didn't, it I doesn't, mean. you know. You ask a girl, she'll tell you exactly the dress was <laughs> lavender. It had frills. It had white buttons. You ask a guy, well. You know, yeah, it was well, a suit. Yeah, it I kind of remember. I'll tell you that I had a tie on. Yeah. I shed the bow tie. That yeah, you had a little bow tie when you were a younger boy. <laughs> yeah. So on page 13th, and I, right. I also think it's very coincidental that you put the article about the surprising history of bar and bat mitzvahs in confirmation on page 13. It's a very good article. It's a very good article. It's, it's, uh, you, you got it from My Jewish Learning is the company that sent you that article. And what's interesting is actually bar and bar mitzvah services didn't really begin until the 14th century. Okay. That's when they started calling boys up. Now, your thought was that because the, before that, the boys okay, were... So, through, I mean, I'm reading right now, I just started reading Josephus and the Jewish Wars, and that's from that period. And I'm also, also another book I'm reading is the complete uh, Dead Sea Scrolls mm-hmm. from thousands of years before, you know, that's hundreds of years before that, before Josephus. <coughs> but there's like battles and wars going on since, I mean, for thousands of years. Yeah. And I think um, the, the armies probably needed young men to either, you know, stay in the background and help with weapons or weaponry or do something um, so that they were called into service when they were like 13. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, to the full height of an adult, right. but they could help with this or that or watching the horses or, the, you know, something. They did something. Right. And so I think that's, that's kind of how that started. Right. So, but the other thing, Mr. Weiner and I right, were thinking right. these little boys were probably like trying to run the other way, you know, holding onto their keepers <laughs> yes, and yes. running the other way. Yes, they were running. <laughs> yes, running the yes, other yes. ways, you know. Yes, yes, <laughs> you could yes. just. But in the meantime, the other thing that's interesting, of course, we know that confirmation is some, right. it be kind of developed from the reform movement. Isaac Mayer Wise was very interested in getting women involved in okay. the synagogue and in rituals. And, okay. you know, although it's very similar to Catholic catechism and right. cate- and. But it's a pledge to your faith that, you know, I'm going to follow through right. with my faith the rest of my life. And it's usually done when you're about 16. And this was something that actually happened in Cincinnati. And we're going to also follow through with this on the from the pages. And finally, the first bat mitzvah that was really recorded that they know of it happened in 1922. It was that of Judith Kaplan. Right. And she was the daughter of a Reconstructionist movement rabbi, Rabbi Mordecai Kaplan. Right, right. And um, it was, but they also found evidence of this in France earlier than this time, both in um, France and in Poland. But that's very interesting. And keep all of this in mind when we get to the From the Pages section. Okay. Um, so, Mr. Weiner, when a girl at Adith Israel and a boy, they both do the same thing nowadays at Adith Israel. It's very egalitarian, correct? Absolutely. And then when when you were in environments for class, did you always behave? Were you always the... Oh, yes. I was the model, model <laughs> student. <laughs> He says, uh, you can just see the smirk on his face if you're sitting here. And what did you do with your students, especially your Highland Park students? Did you call their mothers in Highland Park if they weren't behaving 
I involved the parents uh, for both positive comments and also for negative comments because if, if it's all going to be, you know, oh, he's not doing this, not right, doing that, right. I also gave a lot of credit when they were doing and, you know, and uh, yeah. that's the way to go. Uh, one has to stress the positives um, and uh, I think that's the only thing to do. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Balance, balance. Well, you were the definitely the bar mitzvah tutor, ritual director extraordinaire. And then today in Israeli history, uh, Ted, you want to talk about, you're very interested that what happened on May 31st, 1665. So uh, I'll read this. Uh, May 31, 1665. And you can pronounce Mr. it. Mr. Weiner, pronounce it for us correctly. Shabtai Tzvi. Shabtai Tzvi. Excellent. Okay, declares himself the Messiah. So scholar Shabtai Tzvi declared himself the Messiah after meeting with the mystic Nathan of Gaza, who reinforced Zevi's longtime delusion. He carries his message to Syria and Turkey and gains many followers, including Jews drawn from Europe. Ottoman officials arrest him in 1666 and let him choose conversion or ex- execution. He converts to Islam, devastating those who had embraced him as the Messiah. Wow. But he was like the false Messiah. Yeah. And um, he's one of the f- several of the false messiahs. I think we've had maybe two. Yeah. Um, throughout history. I'm not sure. Um, well, we're on our page. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. extremely interesting. Um, we're on page right. 18 from the pages, and there's a lot of good stuff on there today. And Ted's always going to begin with in the beginning, and I'm going to have Mr. Weiner do the one from 150 years ago. All right. So in the beginning, 1854, the Israelitish Institutions of Cincinnati by Samuel Brule continue. Uh, The congregation KKB Yeshurun, now Wise Temple, have since united with KK Bene Israel, now commonly called Rockdale Temple, and have purchased an equal interest in their burial ground on the Montgomery Road, see preceding article. Well, that would have been, we don't have the preceding article, but that would have been United Jewish Cemetery, what we now call United Jewish Cemeteries of Cincinnati. This is where my family is buried. And, wh- and many, of, many of my relatives, and we have a plot there, um, which is uh, Theodore Hesselberger's plot. And that's where I, that's my... My name comes from. Okay. And in fact, when David Harris has actually said that he's listened to some of our podcasts, and he's going to help clarify some of the information that we've Perfect. talked about. Perfect. And also, Lee Hamill has a relative buried, as I said earlier, okay. uh, a relative Johnson. They're actually, their name was Israel, and when they came to the United States, they changed it to Johnson. Um, well, and might, they're might, buried see, that, in the chest. That might have happened at, um, at Ellis Island. Well... Quite, po- quite possible. This was way before Ellis Island when uh, the Johnson came uh, over. But uh. as I said, my name should have been Chofkin, and they changed it to Brooke. But that's also, you know, I've heard a lot of historians say that that's actually not true. They you they say they changed it at Ellis right. Island, but it was actually changed somewhere else along the way. But that's just, you know, we, that's our, one of our, our, our stories that we like to tell. Is well, that our name was uh, Hesselberger. Right. And now and it's... And then what, it became Deutsch. Because you're from Germany, so they yeah, right, Deutsch, right, Deutschland. Right. So, Mr. Weiner, tell us what went on 100, 150 years ago. 150 years ago, a novel feature in the confirmation at our temple last week uh, that a girl, not quite 13, read the section of the law from the Sefer Torah so clear, distinct, and correct 
that the congregational listened with more than ordinary surprise since nothing of the kind had been ever heard in the synagogue. So again, uh. this is probably r- okay, a rabbi. So wait, you have to go. So this was 1870. I don't know if this is the same one down at the bottom of the page. It says June 2nd, 1871. So, so it was I, probably, I think, is that correct? yeah, so that okay. was probably Wise Temple. It was probably okay. from Isaac, Rabbi Meyer Isaac Wise, because he wanted girls to be he confirmed. Was, he was here and in 1850 want, something. In, in 1854. Well, this that was is about a, 20 years later. Right, okay. and he wanted, well, he didn't die, I don't believe, till 1899. Right, right. So he, so he would, this right, was right, his congregation, right, right. and he actually started the confirmation when he was in Albany, but when he brought it to Cincinnati, he was very interested in women participating. So here you have an example. Probably they had a ritual director or a tutor very similar to Alan Weiner, right. Mr. Weiner, right. teaching this young girl or, you know, her, mm-hmm. this Torah, the Sefer Torah portion, which is amazing. The only thing, we don't know who it is. So we don't know we don't who know, it is. We don't know yeah. the rabbi as we don't yeah. know the temple. Is. Exactly. Yeah. So right. moving along, you were very fascinated with the... <laughs> The advertisement below. Oh, this this advertisement. This is from 1846. Um, it says, "In the good old summertime with California redwood," and there's a like a, a seat with a the table between the seats. There's two seats with a table between them in California. Now, now if you know anything, California redwood is like you can't get it because it's um, protected. You know, it's 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 very special wood. I have to have two uh, redwood shelves in the basement. I haven't used them since I was in like twenties, but they're redwood. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably, probably a worth a bloody fortune. And this yeah. stuff was—you can see on there if you look at the advertisement. It was like I don't know, twelve dollars, fifteen dollars. I think it's seventy-two twenty-five. Like, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, seventy-two. That's expensive. That's expensive. In Forty-six. But you also said you related to the Romans, who the right, store is the Roman. Ro- the Roman store, and uh, we are. I, Pretty sure distantly related to the Romans. So this is these are old Cincinnati families. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so very, very interesting. Just interesting, yeah. You can you can actually just kind of see and smell and feel that table just from the ad from our own imaginations, you know? Well, redwood, if you've ever seen it's like really red. It's very like dense. I yeah. mean it's really thick, dense wood. It's not like solid. like oak is uh solid. Yeah, like pine is very lightweight. Um, and oak's really thick, but yeah. redwood's really solid. Yeah, that's a good word. So 125 years ago in the ladies' column. Right. The, ch- 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 the chic. The chic. I always like, anyway, because it's, you know, it's, it's spelled not the chick. chick. It's not yeah. chick. There would be a K on the end, chick. <laughs> chic is this chic. The chic, the chic of American women. Right. The swellest English tailor in New York asserts without hesitation that the Americans are the best-dressed women in the world. He declares that an Englishwoman will accept almost anything that is offered her, that the French are a trifle more particular, <laughs> but run to eccentricity in shape in shape and color, being satisfied if the gown emanates from an establishment with a fine reputation. The American woman, he said, raising his hands in depreciation, is the most excite, exacting person in the world. She quite knows the money value of the article she intends purchasing, and she is a tyrant in regard to fit and finish. She examines every detail of the work and will accept nothing but absolute perfection. I assure you, he said, that we have a much harder time of it in America than in London and Paris, and in spite of getting biggest pri- the getting biggest prices for anything 
We make less money. However, I must say that American women take the palm for cheek over other cheek cheek cheek, cheek, cheek. over other women. So, you know, it's uh, I I would probably say the French, but well, but you know, we were discussing this before we went on the air. Julia's wearing a designer shirt today. <laughs> well, and, it's and from said, Lisa said, Todd from my sister's <laughs> store over the top. Lisa Todd is Lisa Shapiro well, from Cincinnati. Free, here you are promoting your sister's store here again. Of course, a little self promotion. But I it's love got like these three little lines on it, and I said, "Is that like an Adidas shirt?" And you said, "No, no, no. This it's is a not Lisa Adidas. It's a Lisa Todd it's shirt. It's a Lisa Todd shirt. Do you think shirt. you're dealing with here, buddy? From my sister's store. Uh huh. Okay, that's enough out of you. All right. So, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So I definitely want to do a hundred years ago. So the cornerstone of the new Knesset Israel Synagogue. At Rockdale and Washington Avenues, Avondale was laid on sun, late last Sunday. The edifice to be erected is to cost a hundred thousand dollars. That's in nineteen twenty-one dollars. So today that would be probably Million. several millions. Mm-hmm. Uh, obtained mainly from voluntary subscriptions, the new building is to be one story high with a balcony. An auditorium for men on the ground floor will have a capacity of between five and six hundred people. Six hundred. Uh, the, the balcony is to have a seating capacity of 250 and will be used by the women. Editors note, this is the former home of the congregation that is now Congregation Zikron Eliezer, K.K. B'nai Israel, now usually called Rockdale Temple, was located a block away at Rockdale and Harvey. Right, and because uh, I remember when I was a kid going to Rockdale and Harvey to the Rockdale Temple back yeah. then. But this was, the per, uh, this was before... Uh, Knesset Israel was there. Then they moved to Section Road. Now it's a church. And then they moved to, and then they're on Section Road, uh, close in now in Amberley, which is called uh, Congregation uh, uh, Zikron Eliezer. Yeah. But, uh, just to follow the thread. Right. And you were you grew up at Rockdale Temple. Yeah, yeah. 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 So 50 years ago, Dr. Okay. and Mrs. Samuel Ackerman announced the engagement of their daughter, Diane, to Mr. Oh. Allen Robert Weber, son of Mr. and Mrs. Manny Weber of the city. So that's Dr. Alan uh, he's, Weber, the, know, I, the, dent, uh, the, the orthodontist. orthodontist. He, did, he fixed my kids' teeth, and was, they're yeah, gorgeous my, now. Rachel's, too. He's, he's uh, he, you know, I, haven't, I miss seeing him. I haven't seen him in a while. I gave them a call. I haven't um, heard back, but if they do, he, I'll, I'll yeah. give a synopsis of what they say. He, and they also belong to Adith Israel. Right. That's correct. Right. And I worked with him for uh, one of his uh, grandchildren's uh, huh? bar mitzvah in Columbus. Huh? Uh, actually, uh, he was able to read from the Torah. Wow. Alan That's, is just, he's is a prince. And he's got, and and, and he always Diane liked to speak Hebrew so to my nice. kids yes. when they came in to get their teeth fixed. He loved talking Hebrew. My yes. kids would walk he, out, they go, he's, a tr- he's a really a man. Dr. Weber only wants to talk Hebrew with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's got to practice. He's got to practice. He's got to practice for So, 25 years ago, winners of the third annual, uh, the, the third right, annual wanna, go ahead. Isaac and Sabina Rosenzweig Memorial right. Awards were announced right. recently. So I want to read off the kids' names who won these, and you're going to recognize the names. So from Hebrew Day School is Leela Melman, and that's Dr. Ned Melman's daughter. Right. Uh, Yavna Day School, Michael Basson, who we've talked about. He wrote that book, I'm Not a Spy. 
Uh, we've got Sarah Eisen, who is a Yavna graduate, and um, she's also on TV now. She well, does she, the closing she, bell for CNBC. Well, but she's she also does. Uh, she did. She was um, um, nightly business report because mm-hmm. uh, I used to religiously watch the nightly business report for stock closings and stuff. And she's um, she's a Cincinnatian. Yeah, she's, she's yeah Cincinnati, and she's got she's done yeah. good. She's, she's done, done another good. Cincinnati. Done good. Then we've got Kara Bakey, a sixth grader at Yavna Day School. Right. Diana Claybon, a seventh grader at Wise Temple. Ronit Cohn, a sixth grader at Yavna. Right. Pesach Chaya Levitt, an eighth grader at Cincinnati Hebrew Day, and Isaac Ruffy, a sixth grader from Yavna. And I remember Isaac from Yavna. And uh, 10 years ago, I'm going to let Mr. Weiner read this one because this is another one of his students. And, uh, uh, and we have referred right, back right, and forth right, to right, this story right. previously. Right, right. Okay. Uh, Jessica Aaron Fisher became a graduate of the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York, along with 38 other students. Um, she earned a Bachelor of Arts degree from the Albert List College of Jewish Studies, and she's from... Cincinnati, Ohio, and attends Adith Israel Congregation, and uh, Julie will give you an update. Well, and you so. taught her her bar mitz- bat mitzvah and, lessons. Yes, we were across the desk with peaches and cream. That was one of the tropes that uh, we managed to uh-huh. uh, master. And she's kept up with her skills, so she occasionally uh, has read Torah for us. She has done some davening in the in a few years past, and... Uh, She's very, very capable. So and she's now, a rabbi. She's Beth, a rabbi. She's, she's a rabbi, a rabbi be- yeah. at Bethel yeah. in New Rochelle, New right. York. So, well, uh, what's the Cincinnati connection? Well, she is the daughter of Suzette and Michael Fisher, and we po- exactly, showed you Suzette's exactly. picture on one of the volunteers who won some of the awards from the Jewish Michael, Federation. Michael and Michael Warren Fisher. Hills, he's, I think, a seventy-seven or seventy-eight. Right, and uh, he. I'm a seventy-six, and he was a couple years younger than me. And he's the um, he's former. A current, well, he's the CEO, CEO right now of Children's, Children's, and before that, he was with the Chamber of Commerce of yes, Cincinnati. Yes, yes. So, very, very Mr. talented, bright guy. So, Mr. Weiner, here we have an example of one of your students because. Becoming a rabbi, not only one of your students, but a female. It's something we're very proud of. Right. We haven't gotten to how you ended up in Cincinnati and with Adith Israel. Yeah. We're okay. ready for that part of the story. Uh, okay. Uh, that really, for me, is the, uh, the climax part of the story. Yep. I was uh, serving as executive director of a congregation in Dayton, Ohio, mm. uh, called Beth Abraham, um, and did so for three years or so. Um, and I decided that my first love was getting back to uh, being a ritual director of our embodiments for tutor, mm. uh, because as executive director uh, in, in Dayton, I would run across the problem. Somebody on the left side would say, it's too hot in here for services. <laughs> Somebody on the right side would say, uh, it's too cold. Typical my, synagogue. My, my solution was, why don't you change seats? <laughs> you know, there, there was nothing I could do. I'll have to remember that the next time someone <laughs> says that yeah. to me. It's too hot over here. Yeah. Too cold. Yeah. Well, hey, you two sw- switch seats. <laughs> no, well, as I say, I wanted to get back to working with individuals and making a difference. Um, I really felt that from the moment I, I met Rabbi Irvin Wise um, that we were going to click because he could start a sentence. I could finish it for him. Uh, we came to be uh, really uh, both motivated to see that 
um, students would not only have their bar and bat mitzvah, but would come back many times after uh, to uh, read from Megillah, mm. to uh, lead davening, because they had learned all these skills. Mm. And we, we prided ourselves in that. Uh, and I really wanted to um, get back to my roots, if you will, uh, of teaching the bar mitzvah kids. We had approximately 20 bar mitzvah kids uh, each year. Uh, in my 17-year um, presence as ritual director. Uh, and I got a lot out of that. I think the students got a lot out of that. Um, one little anecdote, if you'll uh, permit me, um, I had a couple of incidents uh, during all this rain where uh, um, a student on the bima for his bar mitzvah um, was, I could see he was very nervous. Right, so I sure said, would, yeah. say the blessing, meaning the Torah blessing. Oh. That's what I thought. I, oh. I so he said, Bore pre hagafen. I said, not that one. <laughs> it was part of a blessing, but not, not the one we wanted. And of course, every teacher has had uh, a, a concern that the child be healthy on the day of the bar and bat mitzvah. Right, right. Well, I had one that um, was so hoarse uh, that he could not <laughs> do anything. It was like a rasp coming out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but somehow we got, you know, we were able to get through that. He remembers that as, you know, very, very well. Uh, but um, it's all part of, the experience. The whole, yeah, right. You had the, the whole thing, yeah. the whole yeah. thing, yeah. Uh, and, and they remember the, all that yeah, stuff, too. Yeah, they do. And students who I managed to compliment during their lessons uh, come back and tell me, oh, yeah, you complimented me very nice. you know. And, so, and a lot of them will say that I spurred them on to whatever they were doing. Hmm. And um, that became my true, true love teaching one-on-one, getting to know the the people really, really well, and um, just having the fortune to finally settle here in Cincinnati um, with with Rabbi Wise was just the most amazing experience for me. Um, Both he and his family welcomed me with open arms. I actually uh, was supposed to start in July of 95, I actually, because of the uh, relationship we had formed, I was coming out here every Sunday working with some of those bar and bat mitzvah kids that were coming up in the fall of 95 and you know the spring of 96 just to help develop a rapport with these. And I, I did that all on my own because wow. I, I sensed that bond so the cicadas are here so the cicadas are here now i'll let you read the article there is one little thing i want to point out and i i love when i find fun things but at the very bottom it says you can email julie brooke about let there be life oh He says, let there be, I think that's so, I guess it doesn't make difference, it's pretty, I think it's pretty fun. Now, the article on page 20 with our friend Dr. Ken Meng is is excellent about friendship, and actually, um, when I went through it, I started thinking about all the different friends I have, and they talk about that you should have, you know, about 15 in your inner circle. I have a group I actually call my core 12. Really? Yeah, I call them my core 12, they were I probably have... 
maybe a little bit more because I'm from Cincinnati. You're from I grew up here, so. Well, the core twelve. I also are, saw are, in there that there's like 150 people that you know that are your core 150. Right. So I'd probably maybe a little bit maybe. Well, a these core bit. twelve women were with me, you know, through the three weddings. They were with me, yeah. you know, thick and thin. They're women I can call th- up. I call thick and thick. Yeah, thick women thick. I can call up if I've got a problem. When if I, women I can call up if I if I'm in an emergency. Women I know I can right. always. So they're, they're like my core right. twelve. Best, your best buds. Yeah. So in the meantime, okay. on okay. page. 21, we right. have a sports story about it with attorney Richard Katz, and he's actually talking about David, uh, David Lichtenfeld, who right. we hope to have on. He's a retired FBI agent, but this is a story about him playing football. He was right. a football Hall of Flamer from high school. Well, so you were saying that he's an FBI guy and that he, we're trying to get him on the show. Yes, he's going to come on the, on the show. And, yeah, and he's going to – I actually heard okay. him during a Hadassah event at my okay. house. He came and he spoke to the Hadassah right, women. So we're, we'll set that up for – in the next few weeks or so. Yeah, we'll so he's got on. an amazing history. Then we get to our obituaries, and right, there is right. you're you're missing on here. Uh, Edie Magnus's father, William Magnus, also died. Oh, I didn't yeah, know he that. died, I believe, on the twenty first of May. So we oh. need to make sure we put that in next week. Okay, you may, make we sure spoke, that you tell Carol that. Yeah, and we had so. spoken to him about okay. Edie when she had put oh. him on the phone when we were remember we did her bat mitzvah. Okay. So may his memory be a blessing. Right. But we have a long story about Stephen J. Applebaum. Right, and, and if you. It's interesting. Uh, he's friends with a friend of uh, Ron Rose. Uh, mm-hmm. Told me about him. But if you read this, I didn't know this, but he owned Howdy Car Wash. You know where Howdy Car Wash is down no, the Reading Road, right across from Sugar and Spice. Oh, okay. That's Howdy Car Wash right okay. there. Everybody's been there. We used to go there like when we were all lived in North Avondale. That was the car wash you went uh, to. Okay, well we go over here now to the Sharonville car wash. Sharonville. I usually leave here right, now and right, go to the Sharonville right, car, right. car wash. Well, today it's raining, so it's drizzly. So, so in the meantime, we start with our go death ahead. notices. We have Janice Goldstein, who I had met a number of times at Addith Israel. She's, She's eighty four. She right. May twenty sixth, twenty twenty one, the eleventh of Savon, fifty seven eighty one, and she is the mother of Nina Goldstein Moranis and Rhonda Goldstein Shakley. So and she was buddies with my mom. I'm oh. pretty sure. I think they were buddies. Um, they were they were friends. So uh, Stanley Chaikin, age 95, May 20th, 2021, nine Savon, 57.81. Robert Becker, age 87, May 19th, 2021, the 8th of Savon, 57.81. And Stephen Katz, age 60. Right. Uh, that's young. Uh, mm-hmm. May 24, 2021, three Savon. 57, May 14th, 2021. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. May 14th. I'm sorry. Um, he was young. I mean, he's younger than me. Yeah. So. so here's again the ad about the right, Reds, right, Reds right. game. And then, of course, they're going to want to talk to Mr. Weiner about their Hebrew afterwards. Right. What's your telephone number again if you want to learn Hebrew? 891-1928. Area code 513. Area right. code 513. But you can remember the 1928, one year before the crash. And if you don't live in Cincinnati and you're listening to this and you want to uh, get lessons from Mr. Weiner, you can also do it through Zoom. That's correct. Right. So, you know, I've been working on my cicada joke, and I've been playing. You know, Stephanie has been uh, very upset with me about I, I do have a joke of the week, but I was going to work on my cicada joke okay. a little bit today. So, you know, you're a cicada, right? And you're in the ground, you know, for 17 years, and you come out of the ground, and you're 17, and you're basically a teenager, right? So what do teenagers want to do? Have sex. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then when they're done, what happens? They have babies. And then they die. The babies don't die. They the usually live with you for 18 <laughs> years, and they want all your money, and you got to get up with them in the middle but of then, the night. Okay, but, then, but they go back down into the tree and, and the roots and the, you know, and that's how, they, so that's my cicada joke. I was just, you know, making up, you know, the cicada. Parallel. 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 That's it. Well, that's, that's it, kind that's of what it. I did in my article, too, only I compared the cicadas. You, well, I compared trying. the cicadas. Maybe I'm that's sure. where I got that kernel of an idea. Yeah, because I, I, I compared the cicadas to Jews because, you know, they, they keep trying to get rid of us, and we are strong, and oh. we stay together, and and we support each other. Mm-hmm. We t- I talked about instances mm-hmm. where our community mm-hmm. rises up and helps each other, and we stand with mm-hmm. each other, and we stand with Israel. Okay. So, on that note... Uh, and no, we're not done yet. We're still not done. I oh, actually okay. have a joke. Okay. I actually have a joke this week. All right. So, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. This is from the Encyclopedia of Jewish Humor from Biblical Times to the Modern Age, compiled and edited by Henry D. Spaulding. All right. You ready? Uh, a young rabbi was traveling from Minsk to Pinsk. His fellow passengers were three students from the University of Petrograd, Noticing his rabbinical garb and Semitic features, the the youths began to annoy him. Their taunts proved futile, however, for the holy man paid no attention to their jibes and jeers. The students then devised a little game, each of them addressing the rabbi in turn. Good morning, Father Abraham. Good morning, Father Isaac. Good morning, Father Jacob. It was more than the rabbi could endure. You're mistaken, boys, he replied. I'm not any of the patriarchs. I happen to be Saul, the son of Kish, whose father sent him out in search of the lost asses. I am glad to see I have found them much sooner than I had anticipated. That on. <laughs> And on that note, Andy, we want to thank our special guest today, uh, Mr. Alan Weiner. Yes, yes. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to show the other side of my... His humorous side. My, his my, humorous side. My, dry, my dry humor. It's been <laughs> dry, described as being dry. arid. Yeah. Arid. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? He's going on the road next. It's going to be <laughs> comedian, ritual director, Mr. Yes, Alan Weiner. Yes. All right. So it's been a good show. Uh, and next, so you're gone next I'm week. I'm gone next week. We're we will have a couple special guests. You're the hoping Pam, to bring in the, the Pam and Pam show. Me, 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 Ted. And then Pam we have just Pam. got confirmation that the Pew researchers are going to be joining us on fall, June 9th. When you're, when you're back, but no. So the fall, so you're going next week with the baby. You got to take, and then so the following week we'll do the whole Pew thing, and that's that's going to take a whole show. So we might not do a lot of news because that's 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 a it's, a, it's, it's huge. really it's impressive huge. that it they respond. And they said to me, she specifically, this Anna Schiller said to me, yeah. we love the New York Times, but we love our other newspapers too. And I was really flattered, and it's a big honor for us to have the Pew Researcher come. Now they're a fact tank, so they are not going to okay. talk about the maybes or the possibilities. They're just, just going to stick with the facts, and we can talk about the facts of their findings. Fine. That's fine. It's it's wonderful. So we're very excited. All right, so we're signing off. Uh, Shavuot Tov. Everyone, everybody have a everybody have a great week. Bye bye. Thank you.